(laughs) But how to write a book and get it published makes sense for now, too, because I know there are people who have books in them, whether it be fiction or to help your career, you could write a nonfiction book. You know, maybe you just have collection of poetry. Put out your poetry collective in a book. Maybe you don't have an international fiction book like I do. Maybe you just have a family legacy book that you're only going to print a hundred copies of for your friends and family. But by all means, if you've got that book in you, how to write a book and get it published is for you to help you go from the thought process to the creation, to the how to get it published, and then the marketing thereafter, like I'm doing with you today, talking on a podcast. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And it's one of the best ways to get your book known. Yeah. It's fabulous. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we are speaking with Joseph M. Leonard. He is an author of two books. His first book, How to Write a Book and Get It Published. His second book, Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you. Joseph, could you please introduce yourself? Let people know just a little more about you, please. Yeah, you you said the name right. It, it looks like Leonard, but it is not. It is Leonard without an O, Joseph M. Leonard, and the middle initial is important because there is a Joseph Leonard in North Carolina that's also an author. So I you obviously have to make the distinction. I am in the Detroit, Michigan area. So uh, born and raised in the southeast part of Michigan, although I can't stand the winters, I do choose to stay, at least so far. You know, there may come a point where I say, I'm getting the heck out of here. (laughs) But I do stay, you know, mainly because of family and whatnot. So i I'm a former information technology guy, and you might ask, well, what does an IT guy know about uh, terrorism? Well, I can't go into all the places that I've dealt in information technology. And also, it's not always the what you know. It's what those know that you know know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in correct. My, yeah, like in my book, Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You, it's kind of a book within a book. We follow Martin, a Detroit newspaper man who decides to write a book on terrorism, and he gets help from an FBI guy. So that's a little bit of art imitating life. 
So, so what brought on, first of all, the first book and what transitioned into the second book? Because it's like worlds apart, the information yeah. there. Well, ac actually, so, so what was that journey? Yeah, actually, you got them backwards. Terror Strikes. Oh, came I'm first, sorry. Came first. And then how, Terror Strikes coming soon to a city near you. So how to write a book and get it published. I kind of share my journey of that book and writing it and bringing it to market so that other writers who are aspiring to become published authors know have a guidepost, have a journey, a draft, a how-to manual they can follow. So, uh, yeah, Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You actually is a culmination of a figurative and a literal dream. I literally had a dream in 2006 that culminated in this story. And I'm actually a holder of more than two dozen copyrights. Most of what I write comes to me in dreams. So you know, I, write, I write about them. Uh, so the inspiration, I don't know where it comes from. It comes from somewhere outside. Uh, you know, unless if you only believe in, you know, chemical synapses of the brain. Uh, to me, there's so much more than what's going on there. The, the, the creativity of the mind is, is just astounding to me. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, it I, sure is. Yeah, so I take those things and turn them into books. So the Terror Strikes book, it wasn't really inspired by 9-11 at all then. No, no. 9-11, of course, is the biggest chapter in the book. But terrorism is not only about 9-11. It has happened long before that. It's happened after that. Uh, it's an international issue. There's a chapter on Toronto, Ontario, Canada, London, England, Madrid, Spain, Tokyo, Japan. So yeah, it's not a 9-11 centric book. And I also like to say, despite the theme of terrorism, it's about so much more than just that. That's just the main story driving line. And I need to say it's historical fiction, or as I call it, faction. It's part fact, part fiction blend. And I go back and forth between fact and fiction to try to keep the story flowing fresh and don't hang up on uh, historical aspects. But there's a lot of things people had forgotten, uh, even though after 9-11, we <laughs> swore to never forget, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so. I, I give a blend, and I like to say it's not a book about death, though. It's about life and living. That's an important distinction. It's not a shoot 'em up blood and guts kind of book. It's an intellectual pursuit. In fact, let me read something from the bottom of my website, terrorstrikes.info. On the bottom of terrorstrikes.info, every page in the footer, there is a disclaimer says, fair warning, while some historical aspects are mixed within, this is a fictional story with fictional characters. Many deem this book controversial and upsetting in many places, which it is meant to be. It is meant to make people think, 
to yeah. challenge their own and others' intentions, motives, own morality, and mortality. I like that. You know, and and really those taboo topics, as many call them, those are the best subjects because what you just explained there, it makes you think. You, you can't go off of sound bites. You can't, you know, grab your friend and attack this together. You've really got to think. And we are actually lacking in thinking skills, critical thinking skills in our world today. And it's leading to some very malicious and terrible circumstances in our world. You yeah, know, it, I, I remember a day when I could walk down the street and we didn't think about terror, you know, terror strike. What what do you mean? But now it's every day. People are worried about mass shootings, all sorts of terror in our world. And I think it really is a key sign that we need to mature ourselves a little and educate ourselves a little more in the world that we are living in and what type of terror actually is present in our world today. Yeah. What, and, what and, is what's the intent on writing this book? Well, as one reviewer said, it serves as an important wake-up call and warning. Uh, as well as, again, a lot of other sub-themes and that. And, and you you touched on it. Terrorism, again, it's not just a foreign thing. It's a domestic thing, too. There are people with agendas. They want you afraid so that you give yes. up your rights for their power and their control over you. That's what terrorism about. That's what the last two and a half years of Wuhan virus hysteria on the news has been about. They're getting power and control over you. You being in a state of fear so that you give up your God-given rights. Uh, I, I really tend to lean in agreeing with that a lot because that is the number one go-to for control. If you have people fearful they need protection yeah. and and that's the ultimate way to control so you know our our founding fathers here in the united states they were brilliant the many will disagree with me it, it, it's fine i i don't mind people disagreeing the the thing is they knew of the tyranny that would settle in to the inside of us, because it was forewarned that the only thing that's going to break us apart is ourselves. Yeah. And, and that's where we really have to pull towards one another to fight this terrorism in our minds. And not only in our minds now, but on our streets, on every place you go, there's a, a terror force involved, social media, everything about it. 
And and really, it's up to us to step up and say, hey, it's going to be OK. Don't let it consume you. Right. Terror. Well, it, it goes back to human condition and human nature. Yes. The, the generic state of humanity is a ruling elite class and serfs and slaves. That's the normal. Freedom is not normal to us. And that's two quotes, Franklin, a republic if you can keep it, because again, they knew human nature. Freedom is, right. is a scary thing to a lot of people. You know, I mean, I, I have to achieve for myself? Ah, you know, ah. And the other quote, those who would trade a little secure, a little of their freedom right. for security deserve neither. Deserve neither. Exactly. That's Amen. Right. We're on the same page, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the Constitution, you know, and I have uh, books that I actually, I go back in time, you know, and this is back in what, 1963, 62. Yeah. So, you know, understanding our world takes a little bit of education. And doing that entails you reading some books and not relying on everything you hear, doing your own homework. Everything being fed to you, right. It's responsibility, you know, and we've lost the art of responsibility. Yes, individual freedom requires a degree of responsibility. I'm tired of hearing about this term equity. We are promised equal opportunity, not an equity of outcome. That is not what it's about. If you want an equity of outcome, get get the bleep out, go somewhere else where they'll give you the equity. And you know what the equity of outcome will be? You are poor and the ruling elite's rich. It's like I've said about the human nature and human condition throughout all of time. That is the norm. Thomas Jefferson said, too, about, uh, I would prefer a dangerous freedom over a calm servitude, you know? That's right. Freedom, individual responsibility, your opportunity to achieve for yourself. And yeah, freedom of association. You can band together with other like-minded people to help each other achieve like-minded goals, but we are about individual freedom, individual responsibility, not collectivism. That's right. Yeah, you know, that's very important to understand the the dictates and mandates of some individuals. I, I really don't understand how we got to where we are today, especially being one of the free-minded countries. Without America, we're doomed, and people don't realize that. There's no hope in the world without your freedom. And, you know, you can go all the way back to John Locke, uh, Blackstone, or Blackwell, and, and understand that these freedoms that are expressed in our founding documents, they're not free, and you have to claim them. And, and that is 
the beauty of it. If you believe in individual liberties, individual freedoms, that that's what our whole system was built around. And natural law, these these principles are outlined well many times, and our natural rights are being stomped out. People forget of them, and yeah. our natural rights are are the right to eat, the right to sleep, you know, yeah. the right to be, and they're unnumerable, and it is actually outlined that they're unnumerable. Unalienable. Unalienable. That's right. Unalienable too. But those that are enumerated within the Constitution are just to put some bounds and limitation on the contract government that we adhere to through the Constitution. And those individuals, they work for us. And yet we are being treated in manners that are unacceptable in many ways. Yeah. And they want you to shut up and just go with it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the outlines in the Constitution, they're pretty clear. And anybody with a, what, third grade education should be able to understand what it's laying out. And here we have professors and scholars telling us what these words mean. Well, where I come from and my understanding is this is a living and breathing document. And they actually need to be interpreted by the individual because the individual is what it surrounds. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you you said quite a few things. I made a couple notes. Uh, the natural progression is, again, to return to our normal human nature and condition. The natural progression of power is always towards tyranny, not towards freedom, but towards tyranny. Now, that's right. Uh, our system is the realization of the promise of the Magna Carta that was dreamed up before. And we finally realized that dream here. And the other thing I wanted to uh, mention was to go back to the equity thing. Uh, George Orwell, I mentioned Animal mm -hmm. Farm in Terror Strikes yeah. Coming Soon to a City Near You. Well, his line was, All, and some animals are more equal than other animals. Well, if he were alive writing the sequel today, it would be some animals get more equity, a.k.a. special rights, than other animals. Because that's what they're really peddling when they're peddling this moronic notion of equity. They're talking about carving out special rights for certain people. And that's not what we're about. We're about equality across the board of opportunity. And as uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, the content of one's character and one's own abilities to then go forth and, and become prosperous. I don't judge you based on your look. Unlike a book, 
like in how to write a book and get it published, I go into that term is actually complete bull. People often do, unfortunately, judge based on looks. And they absolutely do judge a book based on its cover. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. I, I agree 100%. And, and, you know, they use that against us. Because yeah. those those that understand these principles, they're always fighting for power, it seems, instead of relinquishing it. George that, Washington, that natural good example progression, here. That natural progression that's right. towards tyranny that I mentioned. Yeah. That, that's what he was outlining. And that was the reason he chose to step down and say, no, we need to break this cycle of yeah. having kings. I don't want to be your king. Exactly. That's right. All <laughs> of us need to aspire to be like that. And yeah. no, turn down the kingship. No, I'll, I'll help you succeed with my knowledge, but you need to step up and pull your bootstraps up, buddy. And, and this is where we went wrong with the New Deal era. And when Hoover, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's helped a lot of individuals. I recognize that. But the intent it's also made a lot of people. Wrong. Yeah, that also made a dependent. lot of people dependent. Yeah, that's right. And, again, and that's what Hoover was trying to get to yeah. while everybody L ushered LB in this. LBJ's th Great Society was about creating dependence. That's right. Like Jefferson that's right. said, I prefer dangerous liberty to that's uh, right. a, a somewhat more calm, calm servitude. And that's, that, that's what right. FDR and LBJ were putting in place, a dependency for their power base, their control. That's right. And a lot of and, these and, sub themes are in terror strikes coming soon to a city near you. Because <laughs> it's not just about foreign terrorists, it's about domestic no. fascocrats, as right. I call them, trying to destroy our culture from within. That's right. Uh, we have detractors, uh, as it's outlined in our good writings, that that try to bind you with servitude to them and and it's up to you to understand that every contract that you sign you're responsible for the servitude that you have to lay out there for and that's where we messed up by giving up our agrarian lifestyle and the ability to barter with your neighbor for the skills and the provisions that they might have. Do, do you ever see America transitioning back into a Hoover type vision for America where we are independent and willing to take the load that is handed to us. Yeah, well, again, yeah, individual responsibility, but there is a degree of interdependency there. We do That's have right. to rely on each other. And then, like you said, FDR and LBJ, the Great Society. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to force my religion on anyone. I was born and raised a Catholic. I'm a Christian. I do fully believe in being one brother's keeper 
but that is a charitable mission duty. That's right. It is not a communist, socialist, idiotic governmental system mechanism of redistribution to do it. That doesn't work. The, again, biblical principle, whether you believe in God or not, it, it, the, it's common sense. You give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach him how to fish, he becomes a, a, an independent person rather That's than right. someone dependent upon you. That's right. That's the only way out, too, Joseph. You know, if 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 people get that simple aspect here, you know, we all need a hand up from but, time to time. Yes, maybe. You yes. know, we we shouldn't expect a hand out. And, and that's the difference. You know, just because of my success, I want to ensure people at least get to my level. and. Therefore, hopefully somebody above me will reach down and pull me up to the next level. And yeah. this is the brother helping the brother. And, yes. and the thing is, our world's changed so much where we really have to measure a man by his true worth. What is he doing? How is he acting? And what will he do in a very tough situation? Yeah, let's we're moving the religion out of it. The term karma. What goes yes. around comes around. People are familiar with that phrase and can generally That's accept right. that, even if they're an atheist. There's no religion mm -hmm. involved in it. What goes around comes around. If I am good to others, then eventually when I am in need, some good will likely come my way. And I have had that in my life. I suffer from CFIDS and various other health conditions since 2001. Not related to 9-11. I don't wish to let anyone get any implication that it is. But I've had health conditions since 2001. So yeah, I went from a six-figure salary down to social security disability and there have been times in my life where i have had to rely on the charity of others when my car broke down and i couldn't afford to get it fixed people helping me to get my vehicle back on the road and and such as i helped others before me that karma that you want that's right you know, and, and that that is so important to understand. Most of us have been in a very tight situation, a very troubling situation. Getting out of that, that can be hard. And our, our world is very uh, divided in ways when it comes to seeking help. How how can people actually get through those mental struggles? Because I, I understand you've been there and you say the theme actually rolls around mental health. Our world is filled with it. We all have mental health problems, mm -hmm. but there's a stigma attached to mental health. Yeah. Well, how do we get rid of that so we can get better? difference between to tie it back to the charity a charity situation versus those within in 
entitlement attitude. Yes. The world owes me something. I don't know you, Ed, really, but you owe me something anyway. You know, it's just absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, to the mental health thing. Yeah, mental health is an important sub-theme in my book because this is something I, I'm certainly not eager to share, but it's something that I feel I must share. It's kind of part of my calling in life now to tell you I've been there. I've been through those rough times. I myself am a suicide attempt survivor. I deal with depression still to this day, every day, you know, it never goes away. I deal with it. So I cannot say to you, I know exactly what you're going through because everybody is different. But yes, I've been through similar situations and therefore PTSD and survivor's guilt and uh, the like are in suicide prevention, an important sub-theme in my book, because you may not know the person who's contemplating suicide. They may appear all upbeat and cheery. Look at Robin Williams. I That's use right. him as an example in my book. And I myself am that way. I use humor to try to uplift others because in a selfish sense, it then helps me feel better about my day that day, too, for that day, yeah. my daily struggle with it. But those comedians, I, I know that. I've been there. I dealt with it. The times when you're alone and up in your own head and can't get out, those demons come out. So you just need to say, you know, I may not know what you're going through. I may not know what to say to you other than I am here for you if you want to talk and I will do whatever I can to find words to comfort and to help you find the professional help you need if you need it. It's like the, it's a wonderful life movie. You know, we've all seen that it's Christmas season. So it's on every channel again right now, but <laughs> You remember Clarence, the bungling angel that comes down to save George. Well, you could be somebody's Clarence. You don't have to be an angelic being. You can point right. out. Now, it's a wonderful life. I've got med head because I've got a cold and so I've got cotton mouth. I got to take a, a, a drink right there. But yeah, you can be someone's Clarence. It's a Wonderful Life is, of course, a very overly dramatic movie. Now, you, Ed, you're not a pharmacist, but, you know, you may not have then mixed up a drug that could potentially have killed a child and destroyed a family like happened in that movie. But there are things you have done in your life that make a difference in other people's lives that matters. All life matters. Uh, we don't understand the interconnectivity we have until somebody points that out. And like I say in Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You, I've been saying this for decades, so I have my character say, remember, things could always be better, but they could often be worse. 
and I didn't think of it at the time, but I usually tack onto that now. No one knows what the hope and promise of tomorrow brings until we right. meet that day. Things may seem really low today. I went from a suicide attempt survivor to a number one Amazon best-selling author. So you don't that's know right. what the promise of tomorrow was. Now, maybe that's not you, but maybe you, Ed, saved John's life. And John marries Mary, and they have a child who goes on to cure cancer. Guess what, Amen. Ed? You that's right. helped have a hand in curing cancer because Susie, Impact. little Susie, Susie wouldn't have been born if John would have committed suicide. That's right. You, the, you never know the impact that you have. Yeah, the and, butterfly and, and that, effect. That's right. And that's positive or negative. And and the it's very important what you outlined there, because we never know where somebody is at that very moment, our interaction comes into contact with that individual we all have good you days and bad be, days yes yes you could be that individual that tips that person to suicide and or to, or to not yes or to not and it's always your choice and the the big thing there is we never know what what the intent of the individual is so how we interact with each and every person matters. I, I I often think if I'm having a bad day, I definitely want to limit my interaction with people. That way it, it right. doesn't affect them. So being you, aware you and conscious choose, of it. Yeah, you purposely that's right. make the conscious choice to try to limit your potential negative aspect on someone that's right. else. Absolutely. That's beautifully put, Ed. That's wonderful. And uh, uh, I, oh, I we was all need go to somewhere do that. else, but I, I forgot now. But yeah, no, <laughs> when we think suicide, we often hear and see veterans, right? 22 vets on yes. average a day commit suicide. Uh, yes. We think of PTSD, but it's not limited to that. Uh, survivor's guilt is a real thing, too. I go into that. People who survived 9-11, you know, why did my friend why die? Why am I still here? Yes. They deal with that. And also, the Wuhan virus hysteria, the lockdowns, the isolation. People are isolated, alone, and up in their own heads. Uh, yes. Suicide rates have shot through the roof due to Wuhan yes. virus hysteria. And that's another reason why the book, even though I, I mentioned I had a dream in 2006, I started writing, I wrote uh, Vested around six months time then, but set it aside because it just wasn't coming together. There was something missing. It just wasn't right. I could feel it. I knew it wasn't the right time. Well, I figured I'd set it aside a month, two months, a year, two years, 15 years later, <laughs> right? <laughs> 2021, the dream came back. And I said, I get it. I get it. 
all these things, all those sub-themes, the isolation, the suicide, all these things, family, love over hate, uh, you know, life. Ah, uh, big one. And living, not death. All these things are needed most in the world right now because of the isolation of the Wuhan virus. Now is yeah. the time for this book. Yeah. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? But that that's a beautiful thing. E everything <coughs> has a season. Uh, I one of my earlier episodes is with Jacqueline Madison. Uh, she is the uh, producer of the Beverly Hills Magazine, and that that's one of the things she she says. Every every season, every rose has a season, and it's true with everything. If you try to rush it, you're going to kill the flower. So everything comes to you when it's that time. And when we recognize that, I don't think it's so heavy worrying about what's to come. Because right. a lot of that terror in our mind is about what's going to happen and uh what if this doesn't happen well it hasn't happened so why put ourselves through all this terror yeah 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 I, and, and you've got to have the wherewithal to be able to pivot at times now like terror strikes coming soon to a security near you it's a one-off I'm, I'm not trying to sucker anybody into a trilogy or anything like that. I don't have a sequel, but I was and still am working on another book that has a tie-in to Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You. In Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You, you will read a letter to the editor from someone. My next book was supposed to be based on that minor character from this book. So it's not a sequel but they tie together in a, a very different and unique way. Because I like to say, I take the formulaic writing guidelines and put them through the shredder. If you want cookie yeah. cutter books, my, you know, the other people <laughs> are for you. If you want something very unique and different, my books are for you. And then I pivoted to how to write a book and get it published. I felt after Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City New You, before my next book, and I can't give away the title because it'll give away the idea and somebody could steal it, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> but how to write a book and get it published makes sense for now, too, because I know there are people who have books in them, whether it be fiction or to help your career, you could write a nonfiction book. You know, maybe you just have a collection of poetry. Put out your poetry collective in a book maybe you don't have an international fiction book like i do maybe you just have a family legacy book that you're only going to print a hundred copies of for your friends and family but by all means if you've got that book in you how to write a book and get it published is for you to help you go from the thought process to the creation, to the how to get it published, and then the marketing thereafter, like I'm doing with you today, talking on a podcast. That's right. 
<laughs> That's right. And it's one of the best ways to get your book known. Yeah. It's fabulous. You know, and, and you you talk about writing books. I recently had Dr. Lincoln Stoller on and he gave me a fabulous idea because he wrote this book, you know, it's The Learning Project. And what he did was he interviewed a bunch of people and those interviews are compiled in a book. I'm glad you said that, you know, because how to write a book and get it published uh, started off as I, I've been on shows how to discuss terror strikes coming soon to a city near you. And they'd say, you know, I'd really love to have you back to talk about the creative process and the self-publishing process. So I yeah. took five interviews and had them transcribed. So the book has those in there too. Yeah. So I used that as the backbone and then expounded upon everything. Like I say to yeah. podcasters like you, you have a ready-made book. Pick 10 yeah. of your top 10 episodes, however you define top 10, whether it be content or, or the number of people who have listened or whatever, have them transcribed. That's a chapter. The next one's a chapter. The next one. And then you go in and say, well, we didn't say this that we should have, or we said this and that wasn't quite right and correct the record. Or, you know, what we can expound upon and or add or correct. You've got a ready-made book. In fact, I'm yeah. a, a co-host of Savage Unfiltered podcast, Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, I inspired him to write a book. He's got a book coming out at the end of the month through the same thing. Uh, saying that, you know, he's taking a couple of his podcasts and those subject matters and all that was discussed. And those are his chapters. Yes. His book's only yeah. going to be like 80, 90 pages. So it's, you know, not, not a big book, but you don't have to have a big book to complete a thought. Unlike that's, mine. That's good. You know, unlike yeah. mine, like I, I've got a book sitting off on my couch over here called from another Ed, Ed Temple. He wrote The Last Terrorists, which is kind of an analysis book. It's only 50 pages, but he covers his huh. thesis sufficiently in 50 pages. Now, Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You is 286 pages, 250 of which are story. Now, I could have written it to be double that size, but I scaled some things back and left some stuff out because I didn't want to come to your listeners and say, buy my book for $40. You know, in today's economy, that's too Good much. Good point. So I yeah. wrote a book, scaled it so that it could be 20 or less, you know, for today's economy. And there's extras. I yeah. have an introduction section. I talk about chapters that got cut. Uh, to give you an idea of the, well, this was going to be a chapter and blah, 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 and others. Well, in this chapter, we talk about the founding fathers, but I don't spend a lot of time on the founding fathers because I expect you to know some history. And if you don't, you could go online to my article. Here it is, tinyurl.com slash 
whatever and research yeah. more. So there's like bonus material, like on a DVD you get of a movie, bonus materials, so that it extends the 286 pages into 500 pages if you want to take that side yeah. trip to the internet to yeah. read those things. Yeah, that's that's brilliant in the marketing again. So, you know, how you, how you put the time into thinking about how you want to market your message, because that's truly what it is. You've got something you want to say. That is the most important part of writing your book, isn't it? Well, in some respects, yeah. Again, the the first and foremost thing is you've got to have a good custom cover. And I discuss this in publishing options as well as the cover design chapter and the marketing chapter. Because, yes, unlike Martin Luther King and content of character, they're not going to see the content of your book unless if they judge you by the cover, how you look. That's right. The, you've got to catch them with a good cover. Some firms give you cookie cutter covers and your book may or may not sell. Now, if you've got a family legacy book, you don't need a custom cover. No problem. Do that. So what you're writing uh, matters historical uh, or, or fiction, nonfiction, you know, your genre, those things may all uh, factor into who you go to to sign a contract, which I have a deadlines and contracts chapter, uh, to sign a book deal with to help you. You know, I can only deal in generics because everybody's specific situation is different. You ultimately, at the end of the day, have to do research above and beyond what I give you in my publishing options chapter to determine where your book is going to come out as. But yeah, I mean, all those have marketing aspects. And when you're done writing your book and getting it published, you're not done. Nothing sells itself, right? Uh, we right. hear hear about things going viral. Well, there has to be initial effort for something then to catch on and go viral. If you do nothing, right. nothing will happen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you've got to sell yourself. And then other people will get the flavor of it and start selling you for yourself. Right. It's interesting. And it's so, one of the keys of coming on the podcast like you said, sell yourself. Now, if I come on and I present myself as an a-hole, no one's going to be interested in my book. So if you've got that kind of personality, avoid the camera because you'll turn people off. <laughs> that's right. That's, <laughs> but that's good advice. <laughs> but if you But yes, got, very true. If you've got somewhat of a gregarious character in a, any ounce of charisma <laughs> whatsoever you're selling yourself and if people buy into who i am they will be then interested in what i have to offer you know it's That's like right. you know i kind of like that guy yeah let me see what his book's about but That's yeah right. i mean if, if you're a major butthole 
<laughs> people are going, you know, yeah. that guy's a jerk. Why? I'm not going to read his book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the one big thing about media in any form, you've got to win the hearts and the minds of the people you're trying to win over, and you can't do that by being a sourpuss. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> But like we said, I mean, we all have good days and bad days. So, I mean, always somebody may have a bad day. So you may not even want to judge anything based on one particular interview. That's why I've got terrorstrikes.info slash interviews. I pick and choose, uh, you know, a dozen different interviews I've done of the hundreds that I've done to to highlight on the site to give people, you know, this, like the other day, I was on a podcast called the treats podcast. It was about treats podcast about treats. (laughs) We mainly talked about frozen custard, but there's something about pizza in my book. So then we shifted to pizza, which then related to my book. So I'm still able to to promote and sell the book while being on a, fun and different kind of interviews so that that's, that's on right. my interviews page you know because it's, it's a different kind of interview it gives you additional insight into me to then hopefully if you like me enough you will like my character because that's a whole big thing with obviously how to write a book and get it published there's a character development chapter and i i talk about that like Maybe have your character play a sport. Why? We all know I, I, I'm not a fan of Bruce Springsteen. I, I just don't know why. I, I don't like him. I, <laughs> I, yes, he's got some talent, but I've just never really liked his folksy music. But he's got that song, Glory Days. We can all kind of relate to that. So make your character relatable by having some kind of glory day recollection aspect to help endear your character. Now, I don't do that with Martin in my book, but there is a baseball sub theme that goes through my book. And I'm not going to give a spoiler as to why you need to read Terror Strikes coming soon to a city near you to find out why that is linked to terrorism and it makes sense. Well, we could go on for hours and hours. I I can tell this already. Uh, (laughs) Do you have a call to action for our listeners today? Uh, Again, uh, the overall main theme, again, it's not death. It's life and living, right? Live your life. Don't succumb to fear, but at the same time, don't be stupid. You cannot live with reckless abandon and be clueless to things going on around you. So that's kind of an overall theme and advice other than, like I had said before, remember, things could always be better, but they could often be worse. That's right. So. Tell us, Joseph, how people can connect with you and get your book or books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, How to Write a Book and Get It Published, fingers crossed, should be uploaded to Amazon tomorrow, Friday, the uh, 23rd. 
So it should be available by ebook on Amazon starting Friday of the 23rd. It's not no later than Monday. Uh, uh, Terror Strikes coming soon to a city near you. You can, of course, buy it at any online re retailer. Uh, I'm a big proponent of Shop Local. If you have a one of the few remaining brick-and-mortar bookstores near you, go to them. They can look it up and order the book for you. You can buy it direct. If you're in the U.S., if you have a U.S. shipping address, you can buy an autographed copy direct from me by going to terrorstrikes.info slash buy. Now, if you're buying it for somebody else, also at terrorstrikes.info, go to the contact tab and let me know, hey, I'm Bruce, but I really bought that book for Frank. Make it out to Frank so I can get it personalized to the right person. And I also have my author website that the publisher put up. It's less elaborate. Terrorstrikes.info admittedly is, is kind of busy, but I put a lot on there because my philosophy is if you don't offer it, they can't see it, right? So there's a lot there. Right. I don't expect everybody to spend a day and a half on my website looking at everything. Pick and choose what you want to look at. But my author site is much more plain. It's josephmleonard.us. And again, it's L-E-N-A-R-D. It looks like Leonard, but it's Leonard without an O. josephmleonard.us. And it's also important to put the M in because of the other person. Exactly. That, yeah, that's if, a distinction there. If you so. Google Joseph Leonard, one or two results for me may pop up, but you'll mainly find the North Carolina author. Yeah, I obviously am hoping you're looking for me, Joseph M. Yeah. Leonard, out of the Detroit, Michigan area. <laughs> that's right. It's been a pleasure, Joseph, to have you here with us today. Thank you for spending the time with us on the Dead America podcast. I appreciate you uh, uh, having me, uh, if if nothing else, you know, obviously to promote the books. But maybe there's somebody in your audience that needed the mental health message. And hopefully we could have helped somebody tonight. And if not, help them directly maybe planted the seed in someone that, you know, I, I like hockey. I used to play hockey growing up. Those were my glory days stories. Uh, and I watched a lot of NHL games. They've got a thing, uh, a, a public, uh, what a PSA, right? Public service announcement about mental health. And it starts off, it's called the Embrace the Awkward Campaign. You know, maybe you know somebody awesome. who hasn't quite been themselves lately. Well, embrace that awkward. Reach out to them. Again, you can't say, I know what you're going through. You don't. You don't. I don't. I've been there. I've been in the hospital after a suicide attempt. But I don't know your particular situation. But I can say, I am here for you and will do whatever I can to help. It takes all of us to save one. So let, let's be that saving force for be sure. Be somebody's clearance, as I said. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy your afternoon.
All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.